Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Jacqueline, who during her near-death experience has touched Bardo and has come back to tell about it. Jacqueline, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you for having me. Jacqueline, if you don't mind, let's just talk about your NDE. Sure. Okay. So I guess um, going into it, I should say uh, before this, I was experiencing a deep, deep state of depression. Um, I guess you would also call it a spiritual crisis uh, because I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing, but at the same time, I started experiencing these increased episodes of synchronicity, and it kept building and building um, and led me to this Gnostic text called uh, the Peace to Sophia, which for some reason paralleled my life. And after I had read it, um, I think it was like the next day, I fell into a coma. Wow. Yeah. Um, was there a medical reason why you fell into a coma? No. No, they didn't. They couldn't give me an answer about why it happened, but I had gone into shock. Um, my blood pressure was so low that I guess my heart stopped and they had to um, pump me with adrenaline. And then I remained in a coma for like a while after that. It wasn't too long. Like it wasn't like a week. It was like a uh, half a day or something. And, and when I came out of it, I had no memories, none, no self memories at Are all. No saying, memories of anything except for uh, the experience. Okay. I mean, you had no memories of your life prior to the coma. Correct. I did not know who I was. I did not know where I was. And in fact, um, coming back into my body, it was almost like a roulette like type wheel. You know how like the ball goes and lands in one little slot. That's where it was for me. I was spinning across multiple lives across like I guess it might have been multiple timelines and I felt like I could have landed in any body and it's almost like it was connected by states of consciousness um and where I was and the similarity to it that allowed me to settle where I was I almost ended up in another body it let was me, so weird let me ask you this normally I don't interrupt and we start asking questions early but since we're here somebody must have discovered your body and took you to the hospital yeah it was um it happened in my room. I guess I was having a seizure or something mm. um, at first. And then I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure what happened after that. After that, I was out, mm -hmm. but um, they called 911. Mm -hmm. I guess your, your parents found your body and yeah. they walked into your room and you were unconscious or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was 17 at the time and mm -hmm. living with them. All right. So you, you came back to this body. You had no memory of your life prior to the experience. Yes, but I had a memory of the experience, and that was all I knew. Tell us about it. Okay. I remember kind of descending from consciousness a little bit into the sort of place where I wasn't me anymore. I was transferring across, like, the time was dilated extremely. It felt like a thousand years, and I was going through all the bodies of all these people who were dying at the moment they died, and each one of them were me. In each instance, I took on that ego and experienced the death of it. And I feel like it was almost like a purification of my soul. 
in a sense, or my spirit, to get to the form of spirit from the soul, one might say. And it brought me to eventually this place. And it was excruciating. I'll add that. You could feel the pain. You could feel the pain of every bit of it. But once it was done, I was nothing. And I was left in this place of just, it was just white. There weren't people. I wasn't, I wasn't like, I wasn't a person. I wasn't anything. There were no thoughts of self. There was only feeling, feelings of just profound love, profound compassion. And it, it was just, it was beauty. It was beauty. And I, it's so hard to put into words, but to see that and to feel that everything was connected, to understand that everything comes from this place, everything returns to this place. I understood that it isn't so much about the choices you make in life or whether or not you feel you deserve it or somebody else feels you deserve it. Everybody comes back to this place of compassion. It's where we all originate before we're kind of conditioned into what we become here. Is that all you remember? No. Um, when I woke up, <laughs> there were I was I was not sure what was going on. Like I didn't have any language. Like I just had, I just had the memory, and people were trying to talk to me. It took a while for them to coach me back into being able to speak, because yeah, it was just gone, and I didn't. They kept asking me questions. Eventually, like I remember, like the truck of like my cousin or something, the color of it, and it started to come back to me. But as that was happening. Um, the near-death experience started like integrating into my consciousness sort of and becoming sort of a part of me. And I experienced a sort of awareness of distinctness from my actual normal ego and what I had experienced, I guess you would say in the near-death experience, that part of me stayed. The part of me that's kind of separate from this, I guess you would say, I understood that this reality is more of an illusion than what I would call that place, which I refer to as the white, because it was just, it was just white. Everything was light. Like there weren't objects, but it's almost like it was an entity and it was the entity that connects everybody. And at the same time, the entity that connects everybody, it was love. It was love as we understand it, or at least how I understand it, which is that beautiful interconnectedness that we cannot be rid of. In simple terms, would you call that entity God? Yeah. Um, I'd say that, yes, that is, it is God. What I touched was something that is inside all of us, something that we'll all rediscover. And it doesn't matter what your beliefs are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you came from. I believe that is the grace that we experience. That is the forgiveness. But the weirdest thing was I had the option of staying there. I had the option. But I, because of the sense of love, it was like the opening of Pandora's box, how there may be all these awful things, but there's still hope. And that hope is what inspired me to come back, to tell people that there is this place of love, that we are all connected, that there is hope, that even in the deepest of despairs, we can find something. We can find something within ourselves that allows us to kind of transcend that experience. So in that place, did you experience the love that we've all been searching for? Yes, I was the love. There was no real experience of it because at that point I was the experience. 
Um, and there was no real sense of self at that time, but all I was, was love. That's all there was. And I realized everything comes from that. It's like freedom. That freedom is what permits what I guess biblically might be considered sin, but at the same time, it comes from a place of love. And that's why it comes from a place of love. That's why it exists because through experiencing the pain and the suffering in the world, the more that we suffer, when we return to that place, the greater we appreciate it. So what is bardo? Bardo is a concept in Tibetan Buddhism. Um, it has some distinct stages that involve ego disintegration and trials and tribulations. And for me, that was when I was spiraling through all these different perspectives, um, experiencing this ego death, being torn from my body over and over again, from my my, my beliefs, my, my awareness, um, just it's the purification process. And to touch Bardo is to receive a sort of um, shamanistic knowledge and bring it back, to bring it back, to share. And I kind of consider myself a shaman in that respect because they're like, I kind of understand now how we're connected, why we're connected. And I can kind of um, make a connection to like, say, religion and spirituality and different practices and say, hey, this is, might be what they were talking about. I can see these similarities to these religious texts. Maybe this is what they were getting at. You said why we are all connected. Why mm -hmm. is that? Love. It's just that's what we are. Fundamentally, our egos, our identities, these things are not who we actually are. These things are just the expression of love in the form that it takes on an individualistic level. Um, but who we actually are is not who we are consciously, um, like who we think we are at all, not at all. Like these are just false, our false selves. Our true self is love. That is the thing that unifies us. That is the spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. Why do we come here in your opinion? I think, to be honest, that when we experience that place of love, everybody has that impulse of hope, a desire to share to, because that feeling of love is so overwhelming to stay there is just, you want to share it. You want to give it. You want others to be able to experience it over and over again. And that's the hope. Do you think that we could stay there for eternity or are we, yes. we can. So then if we can, and experience it, then why bother coming here? Because you'll be eventually so filled with love that you have no choice but to share. Oh. You, It's almost like an overwhelming sense. It's a beautiful place to be. And it's not a negative feeling. It doesn't, it's not in any way harmful. It's just that fundamentally, that sort of like overflowing light. It's just who we are. All of us, we're all going to head to that place. We're all going to spend and I will say this, it was timeless. This place was timeless. So it wasn't like you could say, oh, I was there for a year. I was there for a thousand years. It just, you're just there. You're just there until the love overflows. So we come here in hopes of bringing some of that love from there here. Not just, but to also experience the falling away from it so that we can again return to it. That is my understanding. I like how you put it that going through all these other lives was like a purification process. Like, I guess mm -hmm. it was a way of 
trying to break down the ego or strip you from your ego. Yeah. And that it did. It definitely did. I had no choice. Um, when you go through that many lives and to be honest, when I came back, I couldn't say if I was the same person who I was beforehand, because I really could have landed basically in any body that was in a similar state of consciousness. And to be honest, I didn't have any preference. It's just kind of how it went. So I'm not sure if I hadn't landed here, if it was possible, I couldn't have landed here, but I wonder what would have happened had I not. Hmm. Because from my understanding, those other people that didn't have somebody land there, um, they were meeting their end. How long did it take you to regain your memories? It took me probably some hours in coaching. Um, it started coming back slowly at first, but then after I started remembering basic facts and was able to say yes or no, um, things started consolidating really quickly. But the first thing I did upon that was verbalize my experience. And I looked over to my mother who was on my right-hand side and I said, mom, God is real. It's, it's the greatest truth. I understand that, that, that is who we are, no matter like what distortions we may see here. And it's inevitable that that's who we are. So how did you change after this NDE? Well, like I'd said, I was in a deep state of depression and I, I was searching and searching and searching, but I felt at that moment that in following all these synchronicities, that was what it was leading me to. And it was for a purpose. And that purpose was to take that memory of that love, of that light and share it through my own, I guess, vessel here to share it here. And also to tell people why they needn't be afraid. Do you think it's possible then that this experience was pre-planned before it happened? Yeah. Yes. It's also inevitable, I believe, for everybody. I think it, even though people experience um, different like things in their near-death near experiences, I think once you're stripped away of the ego, once there are no people, that's the place we ultimately arrive at. But I think no matter who you are um, in this world, we all become the same. Can you tell us about some of the synchronicities that you experienced prior yes. to this? Yes, it was interesting. Um, for example, um, I kept getting this mental flash of the book, The Giver, in my head. And I'm like, why? I haven't read this book. I, I saw it one time when I was in fifth grade. Like, why do I keep thinking of it? Or like, what is going on? So I... Just, it just kept popping into my head and I kept pushing it away. I'm like, I don't know why this is happening. I go to the library. I sit down. I look up. There it is, right sitting in front of me. And, and right inside of it, it holds the answer to my current spiritual uh, dilemma or question. And each step I took, each synchronicity I had, it taught me something different like that. Um, and another thing that happened uh, prior to the business with Thea was um, I became kind of obsessed with the circling of the square. It's going in a circle, whichever, um, which in turn led me to um, the Philosopher's Stone. Um, I'm not sure. Like I, this is when I say the Philosopher's Stone, I'm talking about not turning metal into gold, but the soul, the soul, the transformative process that it can undergo. And and I think, I think it was foreshadowing, kind of what I was going to go through. And I think. 
this was my intuition kind of cluing me and saying, you know, prepare yourself. It appears to me that when you are in the light, we all become one with God. Is that correct? Yeah, we are. We just are. In your opinion, how are we able to separate from God? We don't. It's an illusion. God is within. I believe that is a connective factor in all living things. Like pretty much this reality exists because of the symbolic opening of Pandora's box. And that remains within us. And that's what takes us back. Has this experience faded over time or is it still as real today as the day it happened? It's still as real today as the day it happened, though some of the details are a little bit fuzzy, um, fuzzier now. Um, I'm sure I could have told you in more depth uh, in the past about like what the exact experiences of like some of the ego deaths were like some for some people they were committing suicide for some people they were just at the end of their life and it was just super interesting because I didn't I was all of them and I was none of them you know but you did experience the physical pain of some of the end of the lives all of it I experienced the physical pain of all of it it was all me like me dying over and over and over. I'm surprised that didn't give you some type of, you know, post-traumatic stress. No, it led, it's because of where it led. I think it did cause ego dissolution. I think that was necessary for me to reach that place. Um, But I also had some, some level of experience with uh, psychedelics prior to that. So I wasn't really afraid. I just kind of embraced the process. I didn't know what was happening, but I just have an impulse towards kind of leaning into it, no matter if it's painful, no matter what vulnerability it exposes. I feel like it leads you to the truth. And I've always been obsessed with trying to understand what is the truth? What is the truth at the center of everything? Whether that be God, whether that be something else, I didn't have like a leaning one way or another, but I wanted to know. I wanted to understand for myself where we came from. Do you fear death at all? No, no. I actually, it's, it's going to be, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It, it seems scary because we're afraid to detach from our egos, but our egos are a limiting factor that prevents us from experiencing that sort of overwhelming love. And that's where we came from, where we returned to. There's nothing to fear in the process. We all end up there and perhaps... The more attached to our ego we are, maybe the more of that sort of um, process it goes where you have to go through all that death, go through all those different experiences. It wasn't, and it's weird too, because like in each of those experiences, it wasn't just me experiencing that moment. Literally their whole life was like that, their life was mine. As far as I knew, I was them. Like, to be honest, I don't even know if it started with me, you know? What do you mean by that? I don't know if when the whole process started, it's almost like it existed outside of time. Um, Like I could have been anyone. I could have been anyone and just happened to land in this body, anyone coming from any state that was recovering. It, It kind of put things into perspective for me, like how, who we are like individually, isn't that much of a, it's not that impactful to where we end up, like, or where, where we even came from. Like, this is just kind of conditioning here. I think your point is, is that eventually once we dissolve the ego, we're just energy. And so 
the energy that came back to this body may not even be the original energy that was in this body before it left. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And that brings something to mind as well, which is the fact that I understood that time's not linear. Time is not linear objectively, which of course it's a human construct. I knew that in concept, but to experience it like that, to be darting across places in time, across different bodies, it's just like, it, it kind of really shows how much of an illusion our perception instills upon what we believe reality to be. You know, some people may call that a walk-in. Have you heard of that term? No, I haven't. Um, and I'm not 100% clear on it, but you know, at some point, it's like someone has an NDE or something, and then someone else comes in and takes over. And they assume you know, the body and everything, and maybe they eventually, the previous memories become part of this person's memories. I would say that, except for the fact that when I came back into this body, I didn't have an ego attached to me. Mm -hmm. So, so it's not like I became um, a different person. I just have this expanded awareness of like my, I guess you would call it a higher self that we kind of all share. Mm -hmm. um, and it did kind of give me this sort of ability to kind of tap into that knowledge at times, but mm -hmm. I also have this understanding that it's not something that's supposed to happen. And the more that I do it, the more kind of unstable things get around me. So I kind of stay away from it. Like I understand that in this world, this is the ego's world. Mm -hmm. This is the world of the ego. So that part isn't supposed to cross into it so much, but I can still lean on it sometimes. Do you mind sharing what you mean by things get unstable around you? Yes. Um, things kind of become a little bit, there's too much synchronicity. Like it happens almost too frequently to the point that like you feel like you're kind of bound by it. Like you don't really have a choice. Like it kind of almost diminishes your free will. Um, to an extent. Um, and it's very distracting from the sort of things like it's distracting from the things the ego would do, which is just to be. Um, it's just saying, follow the sign, follow the sign, follow the sign. Yes, yeah, true. Maybe it leads somewhere. But in the end, we all end up at the same place. So why would I want to pursue it now? I kind of feel that we have short-term memories here in our brain, and then our brain converts them into long-term memories that's stored in our higher selves. And I like to use the word complete self because that's where the rest of us is. But it seems like that we're almost at a crossroads here because it sounds like that from where you were, you've got to even strip away the higher self. You just become pure energy. And so is the higher self or all those memories collectively everyone's? Yeah. Yeah. We're all, I believe that we're all actually the same. And it's just that in this reality, we have this kind of, it's just an illusion that we're distinct from each other, the illusion of distinction. But at the, at the core, at the core of all this, even beyond perception, beyond the brain, I believe that that's a unifying factor. And I don't think it ever changed. I don't think it began and I don't think it ends. It's just almost cyclical. Have you noticed that you've had any, you know, cognitive changes that could be psychic since you've come back? Um, I'd say my intuition was enhanced because again, I can tap into the sort of like 
higher self stuff if I want to. In some situations, uh, I'll get like a feeling like it's almost like a quantum connection to people sometimes. Like I'll know if something is going on that's serious, I'll know to contact them or I'll know that this is about to happen or that is about to happen, almost like precognition. Um, and even though I kind of had that ability to before, like it's, it's enhanced. Like, I'm not going to say like, I'm a prophet or something. It's not like that. It's more specific to individuals because there's just the way my consciousness is oriented, I think, but it allows me to empathize greater. I wouldn't say worn because it's more like you have to kind of be welcomed into a person's life, like in order for them to be receptive. And I understand that because it's not my job to save people or anything necessarily, because there's nothing to really be saved from um, besides, you know, what is going on in this reality. Before this experience, were you a religious person? No. <laughs> have you become religious now? Um, I'm religious in the sense that I consistently practice mindfulness, but not in the traditional sense of going to church. Yes, I believe in um, God. I believe in I believe that a lot of religious texts um, kind of point and hint at the truth. Um, but I believe that there are many paths to the same destination and also many roads away from it. I think that's where we are. We are, we are those paths. A handful of my guests are people who experience NDEs that could be considered quote unquote hellish. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that people would experience something like that? I'd say it's tied to ego dissolution as well. I feel like maybe some people aren't like necessarily detached enough from the egos so that they could progress to the next step. They aren't necessarily like torn from the experience in the same way that I was. Um, but the reason that would happen, it probably is because of the beliefs that they have going into it as their brain is shutting down or whatever, whatever parts of the brain are still active, um, kind of take their memories and their understandings and create create a narrative and that was the thing about mine mine didn't really have a narrative there was no structure mm -hmm. and it's not to say their experiences aren't valid either right they're definitely valid you mentioned that you've done psychedelics prior mm -hmm. to this experience is there a big difference between this experience and psychedelics yes yes <laughs> definitely um with the psychedelics, I would experience a greater sense of unity with people. I experienced heightened empathy. I would have a heightened spiritual sort of orientation and awareness in a sense that I could kind of feel what people were, the energy of people without them having to necessarily communicate. But for this, this was something, this was, <laughs> this was something completely different. I had experienced ego death, but it was nothing like this. Nothing like this at all. It's good to know because some people will equal this experience to psychedelics, but it's nice to know that, you know, you're someone who's experienced both and can say there is a difference. Yeah. I mean, usually when people use psychedelics, they experience entities or I think the thing with psychedelics is it's also tainted by our inner narrative as well because we're trying to make it make sense. So because of that, they can't really reach the same destination. I think what had happened is that the parts of my brain that were becoming inactive allowed that filter to be gone so that there was no sense of personhood at all. So it sounds like that 
to me, what made your brain shut down was possibly a seizure. Is that what they kind of finally decided medically? Medically, they couldn't figure out. They couldn't figure out what happened, but I was in shock and I was unresponsive to physical stimulation, like at all. I was completely, completely inside of myself. I wasn't, there was no senses. I had no senses. How long were you in the coma for? I'd say probably like seven hours. Did they have to intubate you or anything? Yes, I think so. I believe so. Um, they definitely, I mean, like I had said, they had to shoot me with adrenaline because my heart was, you know, stopping. I'm not sure if I actually experienced, I think I did experience cardiac arrest. So, I mean, I imagine if blood flow wasn't, you know, going correctly, that also could have impacted like the amount of, I guess, activation, in the different regions of the brain. But when they did a CT, they didn't really find anything abnormal. And they didn't find any seizure activity on the EEG for some reason. It was very strange. Do you think it's possible that you just had some kind of existential crisis because you were going through all this stuff and it somehow resulted in like a yeah, brain shutdown? Yeah, I think it's down? possible. Yes, yes. Because, um, well, my psychiatrist have said that I have um, a tendency towards like um, – uh, conversion symptoms, which is my body converts stress into physical symptoms. And sometimes I can even induce a coma hmm. though. I'm not sure why I went into shock. I guess that could be part of it, but I was under such intense stress at the time. And to be honest at the time I was like suicidal, like it was that bad. It's just, but the following the synchronicities, the reading that text, everything falling into place. And then that happening the next day, it doesn't seem coincidental really just seems like a synchronicity that kind of was necessary. And I'm not sure where life is leading me at this point, but I know I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. If there was some kind of message for humanity that could be gained from this, what would you give us? That we are all connected, that we are all connected by love. You don't have to call it God. Um, and it's not a love that is particular to a person. It's a love that is so overflowing that it can't be contained. And that love comes from hope. Hope is why we exist. Hope that we can appreciate um, ultimately the return through what we suffer. Because I think without these contrasts, we wouldn't be able to really say this is what love is. And it might be that this sort of place is necessary for that love to exist as well. Have you noticed since you've been back that you have an ability to manifest stuff? To an extent. But that's the type of thing I try not to lean into too much. Like I know I have the capacity like spiritual for spiritual stuff, but um, I don't think that's my path. At this point, it's just to help people as they come along to people I've noticed tend to now come to me more um, than much more than they did in the past. And it happens kind of out of the blue. Um, but usually when people come to me um, it's because I have some piece of knowledge or understanding that they're missing. And I call that kind of bridging of perspectives because sometimes people are just missing a little piece of the puzzle and that's what they need to continue the next step in their understanding. It's interesting that you use the word hope because 
you would think that when you're on the other side, you have everything that you need. So what is there to hope for? You do have everything you need. And we always have everything we need. It's just an illusion to think that we don't. But the hope is that sharing is possible, that you this love doesn't have to be contained within like sort of, I guess you could say one place. It, it even that place was like endless, endlessly expansive. Um, you want to give. You have this compulsion through love to give. And that's what I think love kind of is for. It's for giving. Did you come into contact with any other beings on the other side or just God? Just, I mean, aside from going through the different lives and the different deaths, it was just, just God and God was everyone. And it's, it's amazing. What do you think inspires you about the experience? What inspires me about it is I used to constantly question like concepts like heaven, hell, like what is true? What isn't true? Where are we going? Does it matter? Like if I believe in this, that, or the other, am I damned if I believe in the wrong thing? Well, what's inspiring to me is that this is accessible to everybody. Everybody is going to, I believe, inevitably reach this point. Um, and this might happen. I think this might happen for some people after they meet Jesus or something like that, or meet an angel. If it were to progress a little bit beyond that, that is where they'd end up. And to know that people will all be able to experience this, that is, it fills me with so much joy because the thing is about that experience is, is it is more wonderful than anything you can ever experience here. Even the most profound love you feel for, say, a child, for your significant other, for your pet, for anybody, it, it, it's, be, it's more expansive than even that. It's something that can't really be realized as long as we're here. But once we're there, everything becomes clear, everything. And we're all connected. We're, we never lose the people who we love. We never do. What are your expectations of relationships here? Um, my expectations for relationships, I'd say, haven't really changed so much because already I was kind of a spiritual person. And I just kind of am oriented towards people who share like similar things in common. And I think that's more of an ego thing. And I think because I occupy the ego, there's only so much that I can um, you know, stay within the bounds of that other form of love. Even here, putting it into words doesn't really do it justice. It, it It's a fragment of it. I can't, you can't really describe it through perception, you know? Um, but I, I still have this awareness that that love is still inside of me and inside of them. It means, and it means to me that everybody is, everybody is deserving, no matter what they go through, no matter where they end up, no matter what, whether other people think it or not, everybody's going to get this sort of redemption. And some people might not think it's fair, but that's the thing about, I guess, love and it being forgiving. It's also forgiveness. Do you think people here in regular relationships have the expectation that their love with their significant other should be like the love like you felt on the other side. And that's just, you know, an unrealistic expectation. Well, I'd say they certainly do have unrealistic expectations, but I don't think people are necessarily able to kind of conceive of what that other sort of love even is to say that this is what I aspire to. We all have our ideas, but it's not, it's not the same. It's not something I could have understood just through life. 
It's something I feel like you can only really experience through death. Do you think people who have had NDEs or even you change your expectations of what you want out of a relationship? No, it can. I'd say it can, but it doesn't have to. It depends on whether or not you, how much you lean into like what you experienced and how much you return to like, I guess your egoic form. Like even if you experience ego death, you know, you can't stay there forever. So a lot of our preconceptions and our old beliefs do come back and sometimes kick us in the butt. But um, I mean, it can, it can. Do you like having an ego? <laughs> I think as much as a person can like something, sure. It gets in the way. It taints my perception. It makes me believe things that aren't true. But I think that having the concept of free will and being able to seemingly choose and have these different encounters, even though they're not always easy, it's a beautiful thing in itself. You think possibly it's, we keep coming back because it's fun and we like it? Yeah. I think that's also part of it. I mean, that's, that's the fun is the get the hope and the giving of love like that and the return and the journey. Um, it's, it's all of it is just, I just, I, I can't express like how amazing it is and how much joy I feel knowing that everybody's going to get to experience this. We shouldn't be afraid of death for that reason. I don't know if you've had anybody close to you die since your experience, but if you've had, do you grieve for that person? Of course. Um, even though, because again, I'm still e egoic in my form here. I still have these attachments. I still feel this loss. And even though I know they're not there physically, I know they're there within me. Um, and I mean that like also in the sense that the, I know that where they went, I know that at some point we were also the same and that they're never really gone. Um, they're, their concept, the concept of their personality, sure, maybe, but I also understand that's not who they really are. It helps me, I guess, um, see through people's behavior, uh, I guess, further to the core of the person to try to understand um, where their behaviors are kind of coming from and to be able to help them in some ways. It must be amazing to be finally completely stripped of your ego and then just consider yourself energy. It wasn't really a feeling of amazement. There was no like, I wouldn't say there's like a conscious relation or something to have pride about because you just were, you just were like the energy. You didn't have thoughts. You didn't have filters. You didn't have good or bad, really. There was no good or bad there or anything like that um, or right or wrong. There just was. I guess it's more of like, oh, this is what I am. And all that was just an illusion. Yeah. It's like self-actualization to the fullest extent. And the one that takes us away from our individuality again and returns us to where we came from. All right. Well, after watching this podcast, people... And there may be a lot of them are going to have questions for you. Are you open to that? And if so, how can they reach you? Um, yeah, sure. I'd be open to that, though. How they'd reach me. Mm. Mm. That's, that's a hard one. <laughs> I'm not easy to reach. They can message me on my channel at twitch.tv slash socially awkward girl. All right. Well, before we finish up, 
Do you have one last positive message that you can share? Yeah. We're, we're all going to, you're all going to experience, this is not going to be an experience that is unique to me. I feel that with the fullest extent of like all of me, like this is something, this joy, this love, this hope, everything, we're all going to experience it. Like it, even though things seem dire right now, and even though we're fraught with conflict in this world, that's not all there is. There's so much more and it's inevitable. You're, you will be forgiven. It's inevitable. Jacqueline, thank you for that message. And thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you. It was nice talking with you. Likewise.